0: The situation here is a bit complicated, because hound hunting has been sort of pushed back since a century, because we have a lot of small hunting territories, and the right to hunt belongs to those that uh, have the lease there, and there's a lot of uh, people that hunt exclusively from... Tree stands or from stands and by stalking, and um, and of course hounds don't really respect orders, and right. uh, and the whole hunting with hounds have, has for some time been, you know, uh, seen as not ethical by some people because they have no idea. And because actually it comes from the German idea of the control of the hunter over his dogs. So they have all these continental pointers that are really Prussian in their obedience. That's Germany, Austria, and uh, all the countries that belong to Austria once like Czechoslovakia, Hungary. And the breeding went into more obedient hounds and used as blood trackers. No, okay. and uh, I'm I'm uh, the area I I come from is in the mountains of Austria it's mainly mountains nowadays, but uh, and there, hound hunting has persisted, but it was reduced to hunting fox and hare actually. And that's it and that's it um and then the the wild boar came up again and then they used that on board too and um and there's a lot of you know driven hunting that's a tradition and they use terriers and, and other short-ranging dogs and the situation is totally different in scandinavia or in the balkan region and i as you see i'm in my office and i'm a soldier and i've been on missions to bosnia and i saw those hounds go on forever on the track they picked up in the morning and um, i'm i'm um, my breed so to say Uh, as all hounds the hound breeds are relatively rare in in middle europe uh, but it originally stems from the time when when a lot of uh, people were went hunting to the Balkan regions, and it resulted from a crossbreed of a Balkanic a wire-haired hound with hounds from Austria and and um, and hounds uh, that they got from Bosnia or or. What is what was Yugoslavia, and and some scent hounds that they crossed in to make them more biddable and easier to to use on a leash to do blood tracking. And um, that's really interesting. And it's all um, most of the breeding is done under the the FTE. Uh, the Fédération Cynologique Internationale that's that's, uh, the big, that's like the Kennel Club.
1: Okay. And
0: I had my... I got into breeding uh, from in 2007. And uh, I found that all the, the dogs that I was interested in and that hunted well, are interrelated closely and that for generations and and um we had some health issues and and i was not really um satisfied with their drive you know how long they persist on a track right their and, grit. yeah, yeah they're yeah and and so i um started a, Official outcross program with uh, hounds from Bosnia. It's the uh, Bosanski Ostrudlaki Gornice. It's um, which means uh, Bosnian wire-haired scent hound. Okay. And uh, what made you I, choose uh, them over over something something else? Uh, uh, well, they're also wire-haired, like the Sturian wire-haired hound, which is what I breed. And okay. historically, it's it's the It's the source, so to say, you know, Um, and the Bosnians use them also mainly on, uh, it's not, the last hundred years before it was different, um, it's sort of forbidden to to run deer, Mm -hmm. now they do, because it's a way to reduce deer populations uh in the areas where they damage the forest (laughs) and uh and we somehow that gave me the window of opportunity to say we need dogs to have more drive more grit. okay and uh, how did you get into
2: how did you get into this in the first place like how did you how did you end up in with hounds in the first place and then how did how did that gradually
0: sort of make its way to doing these. I've been a dog nut since I can remember. And the first my grandfather had German hunting spaniels. And then when he passed away before I was born, and my grandmother had Cocker spaniels and I had a beagle and then I had kind of a a cur dog. Um, And then I had a Parson Russell when I was a student but I always wanted to have hounds and I have to explain my father worked for 3M in, in Minnesota when I was 10 for a year and as a kid there I saw where the red fern grows and then I, I saw I a saw film and then I read the book and I read a, quite a bit about hunting in the outdoors because that was always very attractive to me mm-hmm. and then I I heard a hound hunting the first time and and since then it was like a fixed idea. I want to run hounds, you know, it's. My dog hunted well, but he didn't have a lot of voice. And I didn't have a license. So I just let him run when I thought it was fun. And I was happy when he came around with a, a hare or whatever, you know. Um, and at first, I was uh, I kept with tradition and I trained the the hounds I had for blood tracking. I didn't really um, have the opportunity to have a far ranging hound. Then I got into a uh, I had a kind of mentor. He had uh, the Dachsbrake, which is like a Dreva. It's a, 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 a the Beset, Alpine Beset hound. Mm-hmm. They're not as Hypertrophic showbred monsters like the English Bezer, they're like the French Bezers, they're quite gritty hounds, and and then I I got into the steering and Wire-haired hounds because I like the scruffy look, and they're they're um, not nervous, they're relatively hard dogs, and I I was a beater in in wild boar drives uh, from the beginning. Okay. When you go into the thorns and you have this muggy like smell of wild boar and then it rumbles and this boar burns out of the bushes and you have to watch yourself and see how it goes. Uh, that's fascinating. You know? right. Those boars and are no
3: joke over there either.
0: No, they're, they're real savage, wild animals. They're very courageous yeah. and they don't take shit from you. You know, so if they don't see a way out, they'll come back and try to kill you. And <laughs> it sounds fun. <laughs> I talked, I talked to a boar,
2: a boar hunter one time. And, uh, there was, we bumped into this other guy at a road stop and he was talking about all the boars he's, he'd hunted. And the guy asked how many times you've been run up a tree. And the guy was like, Oh, I've never been run up a tree. And he was like, uh-huh. And I could see the older guy lost interest. And after this younger guy left, I turned to the older guy, and I was like, "What's up?" He was like, "If you haven't been run up a tree by a boar, either you don't hunt boars or you've not been doing it for very
0: long <laughs> yeah, uh often it's sufficient to just get out of the way, mm-hmm. and it helps if you have the if the boar has um an issue." getting the rid of the, the dogs you know so you you don't want a dog that will come and hide behind you <laughs>
3: <laughs> so these drives that you're talking about you, you said you're using terriers when uh, you're I, out on those
0: i i have a tackle a, a dachshund oh okay. a here these He's now 11, but he, he doesn't have any teeth left. Uh, he doesn't fear anything. You know, he's really
3: pretty little. Buster. And you go out with several guys and just work an area. Correct? Yes,
0: we have. There's different. I I have traveled a bit hunting the hounds because you need, for the line I breed, uh, you have to have a big area because they range far. And um, the the method in in, especially in parts of Germany and so on, is that you sit on a small stand and you unleash your dog and then it goes and searches for game and it's hunted around. And there are stands uh, in this territory and the dogs drive the game, the, the boar or deer, by these stands, then uh, they're shot. And the other way is to be a picker, the French would say, uh, a dog leader, and then you're allowed to walk through. And I've been on drives where these dog people, we have a spare, but we're not supposed to shoot. Um, okay. Because somebody pays to shoot and, and you go there and... Um, it's, it's, all, it's all about the work of the dogs for those people who walk through. Sometimes you stick a boar that's wounded and, and the dogs are baying it. Uh, so you have a big knife and, and your spear. And um, sometimes you're allowed to have your rifle or handgun to solve situations, but you're not supposed to hunt in there because it's dangerous, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, I have had big drives where it was like a battlefield. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you have to watch yourself and, and and be loud. And but you know how people are when they're wanting to shoot driven game; they get this adrenaline rush and a tunnel vision. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Is that the only way you're able to? to hunt your
2: dogs in, in a in a driven hunt sort of situation or do you do you no, my, are you able to hunt I, your dogs a little bit like like we would hunt our dogs
0: i um, that's what i like best actually so hmm. um so i do like dogs to hunt fox or hair and then you know, there's just a few guns or you alone and you try to stand where the game will run and then you'll sh- shoot the fox and and we do that in the higher alpine regions, because there's less roads and, and uh, that's a, it's a quite a close society that still does that yeah. and I'm not, I ignore that, but I'm not a spring chicken, so most are older than me, of the men that do that, I know a few young guys, but we're dying out sort of
1: but, and
0: okay. i i've been i' in in this club that that uh, breeds these kind of hounds um i'm the it's called the breed book custodian, so I couple the breedings okay, and I'm driving it into dogs that I would like, and not everybody likes this direction, because people nowadays, they want a calm, nice dog, and they don't want to stand alone in the forest for three hours listening to the dog and waiting for it to come back. Right. So, uh, that's, it's, it's sort of not, not that easy. And what I, what I also do, I have friends and, and another mentor, He has hunted hounds in Bosnia since he's 11 Mm -hmm. and not now because I can't travel with COVID, but usually I try to go there a few times a year and there we mainly hunt boar and we hunt Mm -hmm. them like you would hunt the black bear. We look for tracks and um, and then they're often three, four hours old or older and the dog has to work this track. The hounds have to work is track until they jump the boar and then it runs. And there are some people out there uh, that uh, know where the boar go. And sometimes they bait up and then you follow the hounds. And that has been made much easier because the Bosnians now most have a garment. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was there the first time, we just drove from one crest to the other trying to hear the hounds. And find them, um, because of course, of course, um sometimes really run far, you know, especially if you have more than one dog under. Yeah.
3: So, um, what kind of? I mean, to back up a little bit, since you're coupling the breedings, what are you looking for in these dogs? Like, what are you trying to improve on, or what would you say? Are the biggest attributes to these dogs in, in your hunting style.:
0: I like cold-nosed hounds that stubbornly stay on the track they started working. And I do like them to have some you know, when you want to hunt or, you need gritty dogs. Mm-hmm. So, I don't want a maniac, because a big boar will kill any dog, even with a protection coat. But they should be hair as I think you call them. You know, they should know, should know which is the dangerous end of the boar. Mm-hmm. They should know how to bay at a distance when the boar is in thick storm, because there they can't uh, you know, evade and attack. And and they should stay there, just stubbornly stay on their on their game animal, you know? And the longer, the better. That has, you know, I've I've been standing around freezing for times because I have to wait until it comes back. Uh, right. That that's part of the game, I think. And if you breed them for to be more pitiable and more obedient or easier to train, and if you want to have the comfort of dogs that will push a boar for 20, 30 minutes and then come back, um, you will have a certain percentage of pups that don't really hunt more or farther than, than, a, than a Spaniel, and that gives me real, if I have a dog like this that doesn't move away from the road or from my feet. It really gives me uh, stomach ache. Yeah. Right.
2: So, right. How many how many dogs do you do you run at one time uh, when when you go out? Is it is it one dog per hunter like it is here in Norway? When, or, or are you able to let a bigger pack go in a driven hunt of your
0: own dogs? I can I can on a driven hunt I can release more than one. But in in Austria I don't usually. I, I sometimes I release, I often release the tackle with the hound. A good tackle hunts like a short hound. He will, okay. in his best time, he would stay on a boar for an hour, two hours. But that doesn't go as far because he's not that fast. and And also because, I mean, he will clamp on a small boar and try to hold it. But the bigger boar will not run fast because of the small dog to just stay and will be, you know, one bay after the other. Just push from and, one to the next. Yeah. And, and actually to release a single dog on board is not, it, it's possible you get a bay up maybe faster, if, especially if it's not too gritty but if you have two or three then if the boar attacks one of the hounds then the others will go and bite his ass and then it cannot uh, mess the dog up as easily and if you lose right. a lot of dogs you know uh, a, a single is always a coward but two are heroes you
3: know so if you have yep. too
0: many dogs <laughs> You you get you can get really bad mess ups if they get on a big board. and you'll have. A, I one have talked to three this. hurt dogs. I've so, talked
3: to so many people like talking about that one dog is a coward and two are fearless. You know, th- they're so worried about that one dog getting in there and getting hurt, and it just seems like a single dog they know where their limitations are and if they don't know they play on the side of caution but you get somebody in there egging them on it's no different than you hissing that dog up to get it to take a track next thing you know it's it's over (laughs) yeah
0: so I, i try to to use dogs solo when they're young and because i don't want cheerleaders so if if it can't work alone, I'm right. not going to keep and feed it no I give it to somebody who likes that right um that's interesting.
3: you know what I love, bear do you mm. <laughs> all of these uh terms they're all the same, no matter who we're talking oh, with, yeah. what country they're from, so many of our terms cross over like hair pullers and yeah.
0: I have to admit, I, I do read a bit, and I read this book Trained by a Hound from okay. Ed Vance, and it, And yeah. uh, it's so beautiful, you know, uh, how he describes all that. Mm-hmm. That you you know that he's in a different league, but but you can feel what he felt. Try, yeah. And how I, my wife says, this is a mental illness you know
3: <laughs> that <laughs> translates too <laughs>
0: that translates too yeah that's uh... and and sometimes you you sit there and you think well the miles you drive and um, and 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 all the trouble and the money you burn and how you could use your energy for something better but right. the next day you think and then you 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 get a contact and there's a, a great hound. You don't really know if it's great, but you think, well, I should drive there and see town and maybe look. And, yeah. and, and in the end, you end up with another hound or something. Oh, yeah. And it's not so easy here to have more than... Um, it's not so easy to keep a lot of hounds in, in my setting. So I usually have two or three and uh, that's that's why i didn't go off and and really um just do my own thing and do my process. and i stayed in this club and i do the the work and i dispute with all the people that have different ideas and try to push the breed on okay. because i cannot keep so many houses that i can really say that i could read my own type or something okay
2: i do i'm a little bit interested in these uh uh, i want to hear a little bit more about these you had to go out and do an outcross because of some health issues was that right
0: yes if you have um bitches that don't like to be um covered and if you have um uh if you have animals among the pups and uh the life expectancy is not what it used to be, like at nine they get cancer or something yeah i'm uh, by profession i'm a doctor you know um and and inbreeding eventually always um leads to genes that will not hurt the dog or the any animal if they're yep. doubled up by a healthy gene but if you inbreed you get them pure you know mm-hmm. and um and it's hard to to say you just call the the bad ones because some of these issues they pop up when they're 6 years old or 7 and they're already bred yeah. and okay. they mm-hmm. can be really good good hounds you know right but they just what is have the per- some
2: what is what is the percentage that you would need to I, I know here in norway and i'm and i'm 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 gonna misquote this i i know that i am but they had to bring there's a there's a breed of dog here called a donker Mm-hmm. Uh, like a Dunker hound that they needed to bring. Yeah, no, it's
0: one of the best hair hounds.
2: Yeah, extremely good hair hound. But they needed to bring in some.
0: Wait, I just have to answer the phone. <laughs> no problem. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's interesting. You when you get into the subject of line breeding or inbreeding, you know, because uh, there's you talk to a lot of old timers. And they'll tell you something totally different than I think most of the modern day breeders. Absolutely. It's really interesting to me because, you know, we bred our, our blue ticks for a while and I say ours, but I mean, the line was continued on from a friend of mine out of Idaho, Brett Williams. Okay. And we ended up getting down the line where, you know, Henry, my, my main dog he is one of the last few left because we were, we were seeing some health issues and uh, you know, they would produce good dogs, but nothing, I guess, looking back, you wouldn't say they were breed worthy. You know, it it could still be a a good dog and do a good job, but it didn't mean it qualified to be breeding stock. So that whole colon out a bloodline, it gets kind of crazy. And it's, it's hard to, to look at it objectively. At least it was for me to make that decision to call out something that we had worked really hard on. It, it was really tough. But then when you start realizing you have to be tough on these dogs and the bloodlines and, and your expectations, or you're going to end up with a bunch of, um,
2: a bunch of bums.
3: Yeah. You know, and I wish I would have stuck with some, uh, some of the, the original things that we started with, um, you know some of the out-
2: hindsight is 2020 20, though you know it's yeah that's tough it's because you want to re- you want to make you want to do what you think is right and I, i've got the same thing with the huskies you know i don't have the longevity with the hounds to be able to say anything like that at this point but mm-hmm. i've got the with the huskies i do and it's it's tough because you've got this idea and you go forward with that idea, and then sometimes hindsight really comes back and bites you in the butt where it's like, Man, oh. I really wish that I had not sold that dog, or even I really wish that I hadn't bought and bred that dog. You know, <laughs> I set my kennel back ten years doing yep. that, and uh
0: Yeah,
3: that happens. But when you do that close breeding, like like you were saying. You accentuate good traits and you accentuate bad traits, you know, um, your health issues, if they are prominent, you know, yeah. When you double up on it, you're going to get some, some problems there, but you double down on a lot of good genetics if, if it works right. And with, with you being a doctor, when you're looking at, um, like your inbreeding coefficients, do you, do you guys calculate that out over there? I kind of,
0: um, we actually, we actually. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. We actually put in all the hounds in the breed book into a program back to mm. eighteen sixty-five when the, the breed started. That's wild. And and mm. we we got out the inbreed coefficient of the whole breed of thirty percent. Wow. That's like. That's really lime bread.
3: That's and really
0: I, tight. I, and I think that many breeds are like this, you know? Oh they okay. have been bred so long, they have really bad uh diversity, genetic diversity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um and they have lost a lot of good genes and you can't get them in again in the breed. Um, and and uh what that's when i decided to go back and and take one of the original breeds Uh, i think all hound breeds are related quite a lot Mm -hmm. uh, because historically the people interchanged uh hounds and you know this old saying a good hound is not a bad color and then for National and personal uh, reasons they were all split up into different breeds mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, I know some of or knew some of the old guys, and there was not always the thing in in their dog that was on the on the papers, which probably saved some breeds mm-hmm. now, if you work dogs, are any dog, hard, um, and that's why working breeds are not as bad as show breeds, then yep. the, the weaklings, they, they'll just not make it and they will not be bred. Yep. So, so this progression into stupider and unhealthier and uselesser dogs. That goes really fast if you just look at the dog and say, this is beautiful and I want to have this type. And then from you you get dogs, you know, just just compare a, a showbred showbread setter to a wheel trail setter. Mm-hmm. And and I I I looked at the the Irish setters in, in in America and when they found that they just don't make the grade anymore, they put in some feed bread. English settlers yeah um, and with hounds, I think, because I have to say hound men are not uh, bureaucrats, usually you know they mm-hmm. we, we call somebody who had uh, who doesn't always go the straight line a slit ear, you know <laughs> um, and uh, I, I learned a lot from the Bosnians because they will just take in a cross if it's good. Right. And they're, you know, they're poor. They they have to work hard to, to feed themselves. And dogs have to work really hard to be fed. And I think we have an acceleration of... of bad traits now that we can take a bet to keep a dog running that actually under harsh conditions wouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. So the the selection pressure of the environment it's less you know dogs when well, even when I was a kid they didn't have oikanuba like, uh food, you know they had <laughs> kitchen scraps. <laughs> Yeah. And right. the Bosnians they just feed the border kill to the dogs. Um and kitchen scraps. Um and they're out all year on a chain, like like it's the case with many hounds in America. We I can't keep my hounds on a chain. I have them in a kennel mm-hmm. And they're hunted hard. And if they just have bad feet or they can't hunt three days in a row, I don't think uh, most of the time they will not be bred. And so, You're right, looking for tough. So this, looking for tough, yeah. Um, what? Um... And, and I think, of course, you know, inbreeding, landbreeding breeding often is just a shortcut. You you achieve your goal faster. Um, you can try to sort of clone this one great dog you had. But even when I read Ed Vance's book, his dog started dying of cancer at six or something. Mm. Um, and that's, to me, it's, that's a warning signal because at that age actually that's when they're best you know?
1: um,
0: yeah. yeah and and I don't I don't think it's it's worth the heartbreak to see your line getting weak and, and stupid you know? yeah I, you know, I agree with that that's why I,
1: I have I've if you have That's my method. Um,
0: If I know the ancestors and I know they have the traits that I want and sort of for three, four generations, somebody with something in his brain bred them the best to the best. And he breeds along the same lines that I do. I have a I'm quite sure that I get the high percentage of pups, since they're bred under the same criteria, that are making the grade, And so far that's been true. Of course, if you have pups and you can't keep them all, yeah, yeah. you have to give them to somebody and they may be not training them like you would like to. Um, it's difficult so if you really want to breed, be a breeder you would have to keep the litter until they're 7 months old and if you oh, have at, some idiots in least, there at uh, least, at least yeah, yeah. well I've, 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 there's some dogs that are late starters and they get to be really good dogs but nowadays I would not Breed anymore from those. The good, is the that good right? hound. Wow. The good hound. He'll be opening up on a on a trail at four or five months. I start all the hounds on on hair because that's not dangerous. It's a difficult track, and the hair mm. runs, but it doesn't go into the next county. <laughs> and I can hear the hound. Fox is okay too. And and then you can see the they may, the endpoint may be the same. In are two years old to a later starter, yeah. But if you breed from a late starter, the percentage of pups that don't really hunt well is higher, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I don't have a, a fixed recipe. That's just my way to do it. I, I have um, had my. Issues with a strain that's that's dead at nine and uh, has some health issues uh, before and is strange. Maybe if you have strange uh, behavior, you know, uh, that's not like a wild kinet, you know, bad mothers. this kind of social aggression that comes yep. from fear. I think it's a warning sign, you know, because we know I, from humans that if you inbreed humans, the first thing that is degraded is intelligence. You have some, maybe you put, there's some geniuses popping up, but most of the time it just goes downhill. Right. And you know, it- been a thing
2: that we've talked about a lot. there has been a big dialogue in a, uh, in the dog mushing community in the last 15 years. Is <clears throat> it used to be that to get a good dog you needed to go to one of the good one of the top guys because they were the ones who were doing the job with the breeding and you know get something else. But it would it's most of the time it was going to be garbage. But then you had a bunch of these guys starting to do this line breeding where you would get all of their dogs started to look very uniform, which was sort of aesthetically pleasing, but you lost a lot of the toughness. And then you had a couple of these guys that just came kind of out of nowhere about 15 years ago and crushed everybody with these these dogs that looking at them, they shouldn't have been able to compete with. And what ended up happening is that people loosened up a little bit when it came to that line breeding on those really, really good dogs and bred to other, but kept, us. it became, again, more of a, based off of how they performed in, you know, a race, for example, to take a long distance sled dog, you know, how they performed in the Yukon Quest or the Iditarod or or something, you know, something like that. And, you know, it, it went from where you had one guy that had a team that was just decades ahead of everybody else to now you have instead of one or two teams that are capable of winning every year you've got 20 or 30 teams of just unbelievably high quality good dogs and a lot of what they started to take away was when the veterinarians at these different races said you know what we're tired of getting bitten We're tired of, we don't want to get bitten anymore. So if you've got a socially, if you've got a dog that does not have social intelligence, don't bring that dog because we're tired of getting bitten. And once you started weeding out all of those, like those fear biters and the aggressive animals, and suddenly you got a much, much nicer. Brains.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Brains back in them. You
2: got some brains back into them, and and uh, it it improved the genetics of the of of the Alaskan Husky tremendously. And I and I wonder, I've wondered in the past if it had something to do with breeding away from those those social qualities that a lot of dog mushers said, well, as long as he pulls, who cares what how he acts, you know. And I think it's the same as it's the same with uh, some of the hunting guys. You know, I've I've met some dogs that you know i'm there's a dog that hunts here right on the terrain that I hunt. He is such a dick to every other dog he fi- he finds he'll steal he'll steal tracks from other dogs and if if he passes you in the
0: forest he'll try he'll try to bite really I'm a judge and I have judged dogs like this and uh some of the you no know, formerly um since the the hound breeds were bred by forestry engineers here which are also the hunting guards Hmm. Um, and there was quite a bit of poaching because hunting is so restricted Mm -hmm. used used to be only for for some time for aristocrats and and people like that and the farmers that really bred the hounds it's their mountain don't catch them uh my I'm descended from from people from South Tyrol, that's now Italian territory. Mm-hmm. I, I spent a lot of time in the mountains, and if you are grew up like this, you know, I mean, of course the forest guards were the same. anyways, it's hard to outwalk them um, <laughs> and uh And so they bred dogs that are single man dogs. And they will guard a, a shot deer, you put the dog there and you go and fetch the the horse and it will guard it will it actually rip your face off if you go near the deer <laughs> right. and we still have some dogs like this, and I'm breeding away from it because as you say
1: you can you can easily
0: uh mistake. Fear aggression for courage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a doctor in the army and I, I'd say that most really courageous men are calm. You know, they're not fight, fight pickers. They won't let you shove them around, but they're not, they're not going to run around picking fights to build up their ego. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think some aggressive dogs at the center, they're insecure. It's just a they say they think, Oh, I'll bite first
2: yeah yeah i I would say that not some of them, I would say pretty much all of them are there's a there's a streak of insecurity there
0: and it's the same with people i think and <clears throat> um and I, it's a pain in the ass and and it's <laughs> irresponsible to let a dog that is supposed to work on its own, far away from you, where you cannot go in and prevent damage. That is socially uh defect. Yep. Yeah. Know, defective. Um and I don't I don't tolerate that at all. You know? Yep. And um I have four children and um, my a dog that would you know uh grow at my children his days are over. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've uh,
2: we we had a kennel of 21 dogs when my son was born, and after the first week, you know, we had we had a kennel of 19. Yeah, because there was, you know, and it's it's not, it it still makes me sad, but it's it's the reality of the situation say there were two dogs that to my surprise did not were not good around him would try and grab his feet when he was in the little backpack and you know the their predatory their predatory instincts were triggered by him and the noises he was making it was just like okay well you know I'm not going to sell that dog I can't I can't send that dog somewhere else and hope that he never gets into contact with you know so it was a tough it's a tough situation, but I, I honestly believe that the dog dog breeding uh, and the dog sports would be better off if you had more people who there were were more deliberate about the breedings they were doing and also more deliberate about the dogs that they were in, in some way or another removing from the gene pool, whether it's by neutering or, 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 or whatever. Um,
3: I think... I mean, to interject, when you're looking at these dogs, stability, I think, is what most of us are looking for, regardless of what rock star traits we want on the outside view, the stability of a hound or a bird dog or any kind of working animal. It's that stability and consistency that is what, in in my eyes at least, makes an above average dog. You know, I, I've had certain dogs you don't have to question. You know that dog is tried and true. It's bulletproof when it comes to, you know, being around people or weird situations. And I think back to Ivan's uh, podcast with the, uh, oh, the testing.
2: Yeah. That like was the
3: hunt good. testing okay. and things like that. And I think that that's such a cool concept that very few breeders in the U.S. really kind of do. As far as looking at those dogs and and grading them and trying to figure out where to go with that, but yeah, I I think as long as we can get stable, stable dogs, you know, they're more predictable. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you say that was kind of the same with the huskies?
2: I would say so. I mean, absolutely. You know, I the the greatest leader I ever had was a dog that he was not the fastest. He was not the strongest. He was not the biggest. He was not the anything. You know, he was not the, the, he was not the best at any one thing. Solid. But he was so solid when it came. It, it, he was just kind of, uh, depending on how you look at it, you know, he was competent across mm-hmm. the board. And it made him a remarkably good dog Um, because he didn't have any insane strengths, but he didn't have any insane weaknesses either. Yeah. That's what we call a complete dog.
3: You're right. Yeah.
2: And I mean, that dog, that dog saved me, you know, from an uncomfortable situation once and actually saved me from, saved my life another time just by just being that solid, just mellow, no freak out, no panic, just like, oh, okay.
3: This yeah. is happening. Type so
2: of
1: does, dog.
3: does that hold more weight with you, Johan, as far as breeding stock? Is that more solid? Is that a dog you look at more for continuing a line than, say, a dog that's exceptional in one or two areas as just a baseline?
0: Um, well, if you look at all the experience that breeding for milk or whatever has brought out in, 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 in domestic stock, if you select for more than two or three criteria, you will not have any selection progression. So, I eventually want a stable dog that's nice to have because you don't hunt 365 days a year I don't you kind of live and, with uh, them <laughs> yeah and um and then I look for grit on the trail and that's it and I'll I'll and I try to I have my ideas what what I want them to look like but it's it's not it's not what I preach for And I think that's, that's the first thing. Don't, don't think that because it looks the same stamp as his exceptional grandfather, that his interior abilities will be the same. Sometimes they are connected. You can say, Oh, well, it reminds me and he has the same ways, but it does not mean that he'll, he'll be as good. And, and you get, you can cheat yourself. Uh, yeah. easily because you want it to be what you had. And that's the, right. that's the big trap of line breeding. Just have this dog in your mind and you want to have clones. you uh, got to remove I, I the emotion.
2: Part of the I mean, part, part of my issue with some of these breeds and line breeding and things like that is that I feel like you, you've chosen a spot, you've chosen a point in the past that you liked. And that's all you're focused on is getting back, going back in time mm-hmm. to that one dog or that team or that group of dogs, whatever. And I, it seems so, I understand it. You know, I would give anything to have a copy of that one dog that I had, but I realized that it's not going to happen. And I also realized that if I was, you know, 10 years later, still trying to recreate that dog, it, I, I would have missed so much. Oh, yeah progression in my kennel
0: uh in the meantime yeah and it's it's what a lot of breeders big breeders they just push their idea and and um you can if you get a lot enough people to believe you you can ruin a breed you know um Mm. and um and of course if you have persisted in this you know, crusade for 15 years, and you've had some good dogs, uh, if somebody says, well, they're okay, but I'll do an outcross with my blue tick to a black and tan, and two generations away, there will be blue ticks again. It's like it's like heresy to those people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because they've spent so much effort to, to cleanse their line, and then there's somebody who takes it and says, well, I'll just try and see if I can improve it. And they have the idea that it's impossible to improve it because going away is heresy, you know. And but but um, this is especially terrible for the people who breed for looks. I, I have a real aversion against this show breeding. Yep. I, I, I sort of understand them because the, the prey is the ribbons, you know, um, and you can get that by a dog that looks like the judges like it, or many of the big breeders are judges themselves, and, and that always leads to an exaggeration of, of the typical, uh, you know, uh, t- typical look, and exager- mm-hmm. uh, exaggerations are always, uh, and they're easier to breed for yeah. when they're recessive genes, and it they're often connected to diseases. Why? Because if you, if you breed for dominant genes, like open mouth or, or something like that, a good dog can be mixed genetics. But if you breed for something recessive, all white is recessive, or, yep. or some strange head form, it's a defect. Yep. Everything that goes away from a wolf is sort of a defect. It's something we want. If a wolf would run after a hair for three hours like my bitch now, it'd starve to death. Stupid idiot. Because he can't catch it. Yep. Um, so she's defective. She's not fit to survive in the wild. But I want that. Right. Um, I don't want all the other defects. That I maybe have in this life. Yeah. And, and so this. One trap is to breed. For, for things that have no. Output. Purpose. in yeah no purpose only the i really the enjoy,
2: I really enjoy talking to people like uh like Johan because you know it, it's it's i like the idea that even somebody who has been in it as long and breeding as long as he has can that, that their their line is still is always. A sort of, of a, a dynamic thing their breeding program is always a dynamic thing in the sense that i i, I no. like the idea that do you know the you legend know, of
0: sisyphus <laughs> oh, the, <for> sure. <laughs> the legend of what Sisyphus. sisyphus was a greek and he sort of tricked the gods into some things and then they put him in purgatory and he has to roll a big boulder up a hill and always when he gets up it rolls down again and he trudges down And he rolls the boulder up again. That's breeding.
3: Yeah, no kidding, right?
0: That is absolutely true.
3: You know, Bear, we're we're probably about what, an hour into this thing. And we really haven't properly introduced Johan. This is another one that Bear brought to us. (laughs) It's Johan Plank, correct?
0: Yes, that's the name. Yeah. We We got a real bad habit
3: about this, is I usually just start recording and then we introduce our guest halfway or three quarters of the way through, you, you know, right now at the end, at the end of,
2: at the end of the podcast, like they used to do in the, in the news with, you know, Walter yep. Mondale. And that was, you just listened to.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. But it, it is interesting. The breeding side of this, especially for me. And when you talk about show versus hunt, I mean, that is a, that is a battle I don't ever want to talk about again. You know, it is such a pitted one side and the other. And it's it, like in my eyes, and I'm, I'm getting the feeling you feel the same way.
2: You could almost compare it to politics.
3: Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> but we won't go there. It's, it's form and function. If a dog <laughs> is designed to do its job correctly, it's structurally sound. It's got a sound mind you know it's well put together to me that is is the most important thing in a dog it, it has yeah,
0: to be well I, built I, yeah now i have to go into this point and that's um uh, we have to have our dogs church we have our own club judges they sort of listen to me um and i don't Give a damn if it gets a good, a very good or an excellent or whatever
1: mm-hmm. if it
0: hunts well and if i I hear things I, I, really I dislike at hanging back or or uh, bad feet or too long and soft fur in the wire hair It's terrible in snow, yeah. and in yep. um, and I look at the teeth um, they have to be functional. I like big teeth, but that's it, has no uh, real. It's kind of like face. liking the color. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like red dogs with hardwire hair and big teeth, and droopy of ears, and dark eye. Yeah. And, uh, everybody has some things that he likes. Right. But, but um, the best test for physical soundness is hunt the bloody dog for a week (laughs) and it has to have grit and it has to stay on the track for three hours and come back and not roll up and sleep and if it can do that it is sound you know and i i and if somebody tells me that he can look at a dog i can look at the dog and say well he's athletic and he we know i know it from from my personal experience that yeah. a lot of the grit, you know, the, the going on, the marching, march through a night in mountainous terrain for 45 kilometers. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it is in the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just say, I, I'm I'm not gonna sit down and stop. I want to uh, mm-hmm. do that. I want to. I I climbed mountains, rock climbing and alpinism. And often it, it, it's strenuous, and you're afraid, and and you just think, well, fuck, uh, sorry, uh, I'll just go on, you know. Um, and and in dogs, it's, it's the same. And sometimes yeah. you have this warthog that pulls through, and the gazelle that just says, oh, it's cold, my paws <laughs> hurt, I go home. Uh, yeah. So it's
2: so with, absolutely the same with sled dogs. <laughs> It's amazing. Yep, it's and, and I, I, I prefer downhill. the warthog actually. You know, me too. Mm-hmm. Yep, give me the warthog any day of the
0: week. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so if you if you breed uh, for some time, I mean sled dogs are a perfect example. I think a hip dysplasia in the real working lines they just don't make the grade, so it's not there. Most hounds it's, have good hips. I know some yeah. with, with bad hips that hunted their whole life. Well, not not terrible hips, but uh, it's called uh, hip dysplasia grade C. Um, mm-hmm. This is not good. You should not breed probably, but I've bred some because they're just for rat-hawks. Rat-hawks, yeah. um, and, and And if you get you focus on only one asset or one thing, you will probably, you know, maybe make big progressions there, but you sacrifice a lot of other things. And so yep. my breeding program is look at the ancestors. You don't want to have any any in there that, that really didn't make the grade. And, and then I breed like to like and not king to king. I've got a question for you then. Mm -hmm. I've got, uh, I'm, I
2: try to do a litter of sled dogs every two years to refill, refill the team. Um, Mm -hmm. Right now I have a very good dog that I've bred before and has given me very good puppies. I think I know the answer Mm -hmm. to this, but I'm interested to hear what you say. On the other hand, he, this dog has given me very good puppies. He is exactly like his father, who's exactly like his father, who is exactly like his father. All of the siblings are exactly the same. Very it's a it's a it's a he throws dogs that are very similar to himself. Mm-hmm. And the dogs that are in his family, his sisters, brothers, aunts, etc., are consistently good dogs. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I have an exceptionally good dog, who is everything that I look for in a sled dog. Big, good appetite, good feet, a lot of fur, but
1: he is the freak in his line.
2: He, his siblings and his father and his mom, they're all small. They've got crappy coats. They're not very good eaters. So, I've got this one dog who is everything I look for in a sled dog, but he's that outlier he's that freak in that line who just happens to be what I'm looking for. Would you then breed to the consistent dog that's maybe a few percentage points less good, or would you breed to that genetic freak from his line
0: do you have you have puppies from the good dog yep um and, and the thing is this. There's actually statistics, you know, they, they work if you look at the ha- large number. In the single case, they do not work at all. So if you roll a dice, every number should come the same amount of times. And that works if you throw it 1,000 times. But if you throw it four times, you can have three sixes. But there is a a formula for breeding, and and if you have puppies, usually you have a bell curve for every uh, characteristic. That means there's some that are below, then there's a lot of averages, and there's some that are above. And that's actually how you breed better. You get better. You take the outliers on the right side of the bell curve in your criteria and breed them to others like this. And then in the next generation, the peak of the bell curve will be in the middle of this outlier and the average of the general population. So okay. if you breed this dog, you'll have, and that's the ruling of the dice. You should have some that are like him. Or mm-hmm. if you breed into a superior bitch, better ones. And superiorly bred bitch. Mm-hmm. You will have some that are like his siblings. Huh? You, w- you will not have a litter of, of geniuses. But you no, might no. get one dog or two dogs that has what he has. So this is a litter you have to keep them all and call the, the crap. Yep. Right. You can't just say, oh, they will be like this. It's impossible. It can't be. And I've had that a lot because I did this out process. And you have this bitch from the Styrian hounds that will hunt a hare for 20 minutes, which is, in our hunting test, that after that you don't get more points. Uh, if you were a hare hunter, it's, I mean, not a good dog. But mm-hmm. it was only a side aspect because you also have a blood tracking test and some obedience and whatever. So there are a lot of dogs that are bred that are like this. So I bred it to a, a, a Bosnian hound that hunts three hours. I had of seven pups, two were like the father, none was better. You know, mm-hmm. and some were like average Styrian hounds and hunted. 12 minutes. I mean, dogs I would not keep anymore for more than a year. Yep. If at all. But like this, if you want to have less inbreeding, you work your way up. It's not a shortcut. It's, 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 it's like, it's like redesigning something that works, but you want to work better or to have some more, some, uh, know, some things that you feel are lacking or are diminished by staying in your line. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not a miracle recipe, it's hard work and, 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 and setbacks. But I think in the long run, it's worth it to, to put in some genetics. Of course, um, if you have this line of dogs that are very homogeneous because they have been line bred, obviously. If a dog has a stamp. You know, that means it has quite a few dominant traits that are pure in him, that they're recessive or the other, often they're co-dominant or something, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's not a health issue. It's just, this is a dog that has all these assets and they're probably dominant and he has it on both lines of the chromosome. He cannot give anything else to his pups so these traits will pop up again if you have dominant positive traits bred pure, that's great you know, but if you breed him to his sister some recessive gene somewhere in this huge amount of genes that is damaging can pop up and you have smaller litter size. why? because a part of the, the, the pups die three days after the, 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 they're fertilized Mm -hmm. because they have a defective gene so shrinking size is a sign of inbreeding one of the first because you have more more recessive damaged genes that are present in this breed and if you have only one bad copy the individual doesn't have to be unhealthy but if you get it both right
3: big payoff for big you know I like guess big so, re- big reward rewards.
0: Yeah, mm. um, yeah. Somebody said, um, <clears throat> uh, "Austrian economic guy, smart guy, too. He's old now." Um, he said, oh, "Risk and gain are Siamese twins." Mm-hmm. So <laughs> well put. That is well put. man.
2: I like that.
3: So, what about? Do you guys deal with much like artificial insemination off of frozen semen? Because I know
0: we usually prefer to have natural couplings. It's a small breed. There's not a lot of money in it, so we have not really used it. Maybe we should. We've done some genetic testing for color and hair quality, which is easy and cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Bosnian hound often has a gray black saddle, and ours are pure red, and you know you if you have a wrong color, you, we have bred it, but actually we should not because there's a, a big bureaucratic legislation, and because actually the the breeding world is dominated by the short breeders hmm. really um. And, and I am, I'm dealing with people and, and, um, it is like politics. You can do, you, you can break the rules if you know them and if you have the authority, or you can bend them, let's say bend them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: but, um, I'm an officer and, and you cannot, it is not in any way okay to do yourself what you prohibit others to do. Hmm. That's not my style. So I have to, um,
1: I have to walk the talk, I think is what you say. Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Um, That's interesting. How many dogs do you have now, Johan? I have a, a bitch and her daughter. I have some hounds that are with friends, and I can, you know, I, I have a a little breeding group going, so to say, of people who want to breed along the same lines that mm-hmm. I do. Um, and I try to. There, I'm. I, I push the hounds. Characteristic. I think a hound is an autistic animal that once it has a track in his nose, he cannot stop, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so I breed for this and I have a lot of Bosnian blood, and blood in these lines. Um, I still sort of influenced this mentor of mine. He was my mentor in what is a really good hound. He's a Bosnian man. And he breeds himself, and he doesn't care for papers or anything anymore. Uh, he breeds his line, and he has really, 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 really good dogs. And since I go there and hunt with him, I, he always asks me, oh, "Is this a good cross? Should we do this?" And this is my my, my little secret garden uh, down there in Bosnia. Um, uh, just because I'm interested in in uh, you know, you have to. I learned that. You know, you you have to breed for the way you hunt. Mm-hmm. So many hounds in in Middle Europe they hunt more like an open trail cur dog in the U.S. A really mm-hmm. far ranging hound. I mean, I just read some Facebook posting by on the page of Matt McDonald, the Redbone breeder, mm-hmm. uh, and there, there's this guy and 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 he's Redbones ran a coyote for twenty-four miles.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you sent me that. That was unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Um, that makes me kneel down. That's the kind of hunting I want in a hound. Hmm. But in my setting, it gets me into trouble, and I, you know, it, it's, I just can't hunt these hounds here. But you can hunt hounds like that in Bosnia. Yeah. yeah. And we so need to get you out to Norway with your hounds. So yeah, something like that here too. Yeah, oh. that would be great. I, I've actually one pup of mine is in Finland because oh, yeah. my my tackle bred some bitches there, and he was there for half a year, and they became good friends. And they have an American Foxhound and Bisterian Wire Haired Hound, which is has quite a lot of Bosnian blood, and she does well. And they like it because it's it's a Calm, pretty dog, not nervous. And many of the hybrid Finnish hounds, they're nervous. Mm, they, they, yeah. they don't only hunt like an autistic person, they also behave like one, you know. Yeah, just unsettled. Um, and yeah. so I like that there because you have this endless <laughs> northern forest and the dog can hunt the hare or fox all day and you make a campfire and you. Sausages and drink beer, and the dog hunts. And you say, Oh, it's much too early to shoot the hare, right? And in Bosnia, we will, they're, they're, they're Muslims, the guys I hunt with, so um, that's why they feed the board to the dogs mm-hmm. or sell it to the, the, the Croatian neighbors or whatever. Um, but you, you look for a track, you release. Dogs. You try to follow them, and then they are hunting somewhere. And one of the older guys has prepared some roast lamb, and you eat, and then you go back to the dogs. That's that's wonderful. That's how I like it, you know. And they're all crazy about dogs, about hounds. Right. And in in similar is when I went with my friends here hunting in the, the, Tyrolean Alps. The dogs will hunt. Sometimes you shoot the hare, often you don't. You have to be real quiet and stand still because the hare comes quite far in front of the the hound, and uh, it does. It's not stressed because it has a big uh, advance usually, and um, you have to know how it runs and stand there really still because otherwise it will see you before you see it. You know, right. um, uh, all this stalking or hunting is actually a game. Who is seen first? Has lots. <laughs> um, and for Spock, it's the same. So, yeah, I, I have, I cannot, you know, I, I bring my dogs like I want them to be and try to give them the hunting, which means that I cannot give them hunting every week.
2: So that's sad. For, you know. Right. Because of where, because and, of where you are and the, and the, the setup. Right.
0: With the hunting, setup and, and
2: things like that
0: yeah nah, it's, it's, often have, it's different for, than
2: it is in, here in norway or, or over i can't like
0: you walk out of your of your house and then you release the dog and yeah. when you don't you're fed up you go home and the hound comes back later something. <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: but can you buy hunting licenses there or is it all about kind of who you know and and who you're associated
0: with no no you can you, if you you can but you can buy leases if there's a big area. It's really expensive it's beyond my oh. pay scale. <laughs> yep. um, you have where I live. I lived in Tyrol, there I was with the community hunt It's connected to the village and there's a certain number they will take. But then you have to arrange yourself with the other hunters. So if they're sitting somewhere waiting for a red deer, they don't want your hound to, hunt to come through bay. Yeah, so right. so it was usually in former times when I started, every Sunday would go out to hair hunt from October 15th to December 15th. Mm-hmm. But the, this guy that I told you about was the Besset. He, he passed away. And the new hunters, they are more the tree stand guys. And they may have hounds, but they use them for blood tracking. So it boils down to a few weekends a year. But they'll really release, release the hounds, and obviously with hounds like that, you don't catch many hares because they're not good at it. sure and so this is this is um my I, I sometimes um
1: I'll,
0: uh, It's like uh, Brett Vaughn, born hundred years too late. <laughs> that's That's what I think sometimes you know. Mm-hmm. Life gets so much more regulated, and people have such crazy ideas about how nature should be. They want you out of there, and yeah, <laughs> it's it's just...
2: that's scary, man. You know, they just they just um, they introduced legislature, I guess, about a week ago, ten days ago, maybe, to ban bear hunting entirely in. California. California, yeah, and luckily, luckily, sportsmen's kind, of, yeah, rallied around that cause. Uh, you know, Clay Newcomb got him pretty riled up, uh, amongst other people, uh, which was good because the uh, they withdrew the legislation. But it's mm. that kind yeah, of stuff's happening all the time,
0: man. It's, yeah, it's scary. It's good, and and uh, it's it's easy to explain. You've got all these poor people that that are living in big cities, and they sort of romanticize nature, and they have this vision of it being they, they've, watched too,
2: they've watched a few too many Disney
0: movies? Right, and, and <laughs> they, don't, they just don't understand it. You know, they, they, they do not really love it because they don't know it. You cannot love something you do not know. Right. But they have very strong opinions.
3: They project, and, I think, the family unit is, like, the big thing. They project our family units on the wildlife, and they don't understand. You know, Daddy Deer does not hang around. He's off messing around with all of his buddies, and they're out partying all year until it comes time to come and make babies, and then he's gone again, you know? And, and they want to just project this image, you know, that...
0: Yeah, they they... it goes into a lot of things that are bothering me. I'm a conservative person. Um, And um, I think this is dangerous because uh, what made Western civilization great is rational thinking, nothing else. Not emotions. Emotions are relatively primitive brain region. Mm-hmm. Thought mm-hmm. is what makes the human human. Uh, thought. And and it ha so our decisions have to be fact based. Yeah. And they can be bitter the facts, but they're the facts. Yeah, you, know, you cannot ignore reality for very long because it will teach you. hmm Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean J- Jason and I were just
2: talking about uh we won't go into that conversation, but we were just talking about sim- that kind of similar mentality of, of, of making big decisions based off of, uh, based off of emotions and not necessarily any kind of nuanced analysis of what, of what's, um, of what's happening. And then that happens a ton with, with dog, with, with animal people, I should say. And, and I mean, and I, and I'll <laughs> include that with, you know, I'll include goat
0: people
2: (laughs) yeah goat people (laughs)
3: or horse people it's all I mean it's any
2: it's anybody it's anybody who loves animals because I mean that is the one thing that I try to remember that that's the one thing that connects me to who's a hunter and uh, a dog musher you know to the to the animal activists the animal rights activists is there's bottom line I do what I do because I love the animals, and they do what they do because they love their animals, albeit in a completely different way than I
0: do. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, we but, have, uh, I have to interject here, you know. Um, it, it's easier with people who, who have an emotional connection to animals in, that is based on experience with animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the animal activists, maybe they have a lap dog or something. They but had a rabbit when they were little. They are in love with an idea of the animal that yep. is not that, based in reality. That's true, I, and that's uh, and I think many of them are disappointed, lonely people, and um, they expect. And they give the love that they can't give to their children or their wife or whatever, their their husband. to, And they project it onto this ideal of the animal. Right. Um, and because, the, I mean, I, I do think dogs like you if you treat them well, but I would not compare that. If you, if, if you give it to somebody else and he feeds it for three weeks and treats it well, it will uh, <laughs> look at him the same way as it looks at you so if you want we have this idea, um, people are are, are uh, not true, but your dog will always love you mm. if he, uh, I've given away dogs and I meet them and they will greet me, but
1: you don't oh, come
0: and too. say, please take me back no mm. oh. oh yeah, me, me mm. too I've. Uh... So, and the projection and it's the loneliness of the big city people and they project it on and and they live in this crappy city and then it's nice to go out or whatever but then they end to sit in their flat alone and and so the, the they have this earthly paradise vision of nature and nature is a paradise but it includes being eaten
3: yeah it's a pretty cruel paradise at times that's for sure
0: and yeah. um, and 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 then It, their asset is not saving populations and, 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 and ecosystems. It's about saving individuals. And that's yep. futile. They'll all die. And, yep. and if I can kill a big elephant bull, and somebody pays for it, and that means that the, they don't poach out the whole herd and they don't change the savannah into cornfields, that's what I have to think about. Not the poor elephant, no, he's dead. You're right. Right. And, that, and that, that's a, that, that's very difficult to put across to those people. I given up discussing it because it's futile. It, it's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, and
2: and I, you know, I I, I came from a, a sort of anti-hunting household, um, and it it took me a little bit of time to start thinking about it from a from other perspectives. And you know, one of the last sort of bricks to fall into place for me, anyway, was was I, I, you know, sort of, I, it, all of this kind of came gradually. It was like, well, we had our own chickens and our own pigs and, and sheep and things like that. What is the difference between raising and slaughtering and going out hunting? And then from, it was all about food for me. And then it wasn't until I saw, it wasn't until I was here in Norway, I would never have hunted foxes at any other time previously because I wasn't going to eat it. And for me, it was hunting was all about what you're going to eat end of, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of end of the end of story. And then again, it's, 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 it's what you talk about with the facts
0: and what, you know, the facts being that the, the, you know, the Fox population here, for example, is so enormous and
2: the, at the same time, the bird population is getting worse and worse. The roe deer population is is barely coping. And it suddenly hit me that it's like you can't have this one this one thing without having there's, there's got to be balance. Yeah. And it's that desire for there to be balance that actually made me
0: get into get into hunting something that I'm not going to eat. Because if I want to hunt things that I can eat, then I also need to yeah. to a-
2: engage in the bigger picture. Is it, my feeling, you know, I won't speak for anybody yeah, else. But. I, um I have to say that
0: uh, I I totally support that and predators have to be controlled because otherwise they'll eat themselves out of prey base and then they'll starve and get mange and then takes forever for both to build up again and we can cut off the high peaks and by that we cut off the valleys of this curve and that's better for the animals and for ecosystem and especially now that it's not huge enormous areas it's all split up by roads and whatever so that's the rational part and then. I have to say I, I hunt with hounds because the hound likes it, and I like it, you know yep. uh, and I don't apologize for liking
3: it
0: uh, mankind has has become man by hunting, mm. and I don't see any reason to be apologetic about it um, uh, good and that's that's it for me, so to say <laughs> but this um yeah. So so it, we have digressed from breeding a bit, but i I think this this applies to breeding too too. you have to be guided by rational thing uh, decisions and uh, you cannot do the same stupid thing all over and expect a different outcome yeah, and, right. and um, you have to know that that evolution has designed. Animals to, they can support some inbreeding, but then they go. Nature goes quite a long ways to, to put some new blood in, and it may be good or it may be bad. But in the long run, it keeps the species healthy. And the same is for lions. So you can lion breed. You have to call harder. You have to be more aware of the danger signals, and you have to know that if you want to do an outcross, you have to do a real outcross. And uh, we know that from laboratory animals, they are line-bred because you want each one of them react the same. Yeah. And if you do line-breeding line of mice, you have to start 100 lines. With tight inbreeding, you get one or two lines that are not died out by Generation 20. So what you can do is you can... Set up something where you have three or four lines, and then use those that have been bred the same way for arcturosis. That would be a a possibility to use lime breeding because, and that's what a a good friend of mine told me, we don't live long enough to breed good hounds. Yeah. Right. So you want to have some results before you have
3: to stop. Well, like you said, you, you've got dogs that are placed in places that you have access to for breeding. And I know I've had this conversation several times. Is those guys that are running a line of dogs on their own, my hat is off because that is so much for one so much person. It, it's oh, like the community... It has so much influence in that, and I was really lucky to get to meet a lot of these guys, especially in the blue tick world, you know, like the Downings and the brookses and th- there were a lot of really good people involved in that breed <clears throat> that you know they they talked about all these dogs and they kept things going in a general direction even even like my blue ticks that we had. Uh, You know, we had friends of ours that just went a different direction with them, but it was still trying to stay as consistent as you could without crossing. Uh, Like you're saying, it's uh, I guess one of my favorite things to look for is if you can double up on top or bottom and keep a, a similar line consistent there and throw out. I guess you would say, you know, like one side of that, let's say a, on a breeding, you're going to double up on one, but when you bring in the other tightly bred line, even though it's completely unrelated to what you have, you have a better odd of getting consistency. Is that right. something you would kind of agree with?
0: I, I would agree with that because the the collection of homogeneous, you know, purebred, defective genes, um, it's guided by chance. Mm -hmm. So as you line breed, you you get some genes that are predominant in the line and you lose some defective genes. That's why inbred show breeds or inbred lines have characteristic diseases, but they don't have the same. This mm-hmm. one has epilepsy, this one has some kind of skin cancer, whatever. Yeah. So if you line breed, you will not usually, you have to look at it, you will not uh, mess up the same defective gene. So you can, by this outcross to a, another line that has fixed the traits that you want, it, it also has fixed some traits you don't want. That's, yeah. that's automatic. But usually, it will not have fixed the same traits. And so, you, at least you get one good copy, probably, in the later. Mm-hmm. And that's that, if you want to go along these lines, that's the way to go. And, I'm, and now, breeds, with, we have this hunting test mechanism for breeding, and we have closed breed books usually. I opened them for this time and we put in a lot of new blood and then actually we should now close it again. That's what is the, what the bar- bureaucracy of the dog breeding world tells us. So mm. we cannot go on outcrossing forever because then we'll lead, lose breed status probably. Yeah. Um, what is the,
2: w- sorry, just a, a quick question. What is what is the percentage that the dogs can be outcrossed and still be considered that original breed? Are, there, are the first-generation outcrosses well, still
0: considered to be? Yes, they're considered this breed, but they okay. are in the registered. They have a mark on the, on the pedigree that they are outbred, and this stays there for three generations, and then they're considered purebred again.
1: Hmm.
0: That's okay. the mechanism. Um, This is not scientific, it's just, of course, if you have foreign blood, the first cross is 50% and it's 25 and it's 12.5. And then they say at 6.5% different breed, it's practically the same. If you select for in these three generations for the, the characteristics of the outcross, probably have more genes there, you know. Because it's just this is statistically fifty percent. I mean, it is fifty percent, but and there are a few things you can do to keep more of the foreign blood or the traits in there. You can cross, um, you know, first generation with the third generation or something, and, and take two two lines of the foreign breed in it if you want more of these traits. Mm-hmm. Um, It's a tedious work, actually. So, uh, but the asset of this club breed is that I don't, I'm not somebody who can keep sixty pounds right. and the whole breed has about hundred pups a year in Austria, and maybe seventeen in Germany, and forty or fifteen in, in Czechoslovakia, and then it's it. That's it. So, uh, it's a small breed. I, I'm, I'm sure there are breeders, uh, lines of ticks that have more pups than our whole breed.
3: Oh, there's dogs that throw more pups than that in a single year. You know, it's, (laughs) yeah, but a
0: hound has seven to 10 pups or maybe 12. Mm -hmm. And not everybody goes into breeding because you have to pass the tests and you have to have the love for having puppies and all that.
1: it's,
0: it's, It's all quite complicated. And sometimes the people who want to breed don't have dogs that should be bred and that's how it goes so well, it's it's, it's man made it's just a compromise between the possible and and, and the ideal you have to aim yeah. for the, the, the black hole in the target to hit yeah. the target is what i say you know mm-hmm. you, you have to be you have to be flexible and, and, and try to do the best and and then, and then what i wanted to say is i cannot consistently force the whole club and all these people that have other ideas of a perfect hound to all have hounds like I want them. Right. Uh, so that that's a big compromise. That's different because in that if you're a bear hunter uh, you have you have that's the perfect dog and there are other bear hunters They breed the same that's easy. But I have people who want a dog that will push a boar for half a mile and then come back and they and that's for them that's well, and they want the hard dog that they will go and grab, and others just want the blood, blood tracker.. The, right. the blood tracking it takes a cold nose, a certain calmness, but the really good blood tracking hounds uh, are not judged by only by following a day-old track of a wounded deer through a lot of fresh tracks. Mm-hmm. If the deer is still alive and gets up and grunts. That's why, where the hound has assets against the Hanverian or Bavarian bloodhounds, mm-hmm. then should not quit the chase until the wounded game is at bay. That's where the hound type it takes over, goes from blood trailing to pursuing. Best. Right. And, and that's how I argue with the people why we need far ranging dogs or far ranging. Yeah. Long trailing, I call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't quit. No quits. No quits in my house, please.
3: <laughs> it's interesting. Like Bear and I were talking before. Is I really enjoy doing these podcasts with you guys. You know, in other parts of the world, because it's not for everybody. I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that don't necessarily, you know, enjoy these as much as others. And we have guys that love Brett Vaughn stuff. And hate listening to me and Buddy probably, but it's such a different perspective. And, and even the scale, like you said, a couple hundred pups in a year, that scale, when you think of the fundamental foundations that you're building there and how tight you have to hold yourselves true to culling and breeding for, for purpose, it's just a different scale than we're used to seeing here in the US. You well,
0: know. um, my country is three quarters mountains and it has not even nine million inhabitants. Really? So, so that's and then uh, Europe is full of small countries and everybody does his own thing. And France yeah. is different. They have a lot of hound breeds and they hunt in packs. And it's very I've been there and, and went along. It was great. It was true hound work. It was the dogs are different to ours.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm.
3: <laughs> we can edit all that out. That's good. Coke popping. <laughs> we probably should wrap this up, though. It's after midnight here. <laughs> yeah,
2: you uh just say the word, man. Yeah, it's uh getting late for you.
3: I was going to say, do you um, guys... I,
0: I live on a mountain um and I drive down for close to an hour to work. But on my mountain, the internet is so bad that I decided I would not. Uh, you know, expose you to this crackling. <laughs> stuff. So I'm in my office and
3: I should be working. And I'm. Hey, that's all right. We probably should wrap this up too. Yeah. Usually, Bear gets stuck doing this late at night with me. So, it, the time zones work well. By the time I'm heading home from hunting for the night, he's usually just getting up in the morning. So. Yep. That's nice. <laughs> he gets to hear my hunting stories before I get home, and but right now we're coming rep. up on yep. midnight here, and you guys are still getting your day rolling. So
2: we should have we our our day should have been rolling for an hour ago. But uh,
3: I was going to say we're like hound guys; you get together and you end up talking too long.
2: Our
0: our bosses don't listen. Don't listen to when I when I go someplace with two houndsmen. If few I know in around here, or even worse in Bosnia, yeah, I don't get a lot of sleep, you know yes yeah. <laughs> oh, just it's... you talk and talk and talk, and I'm not somebody who always talks a lot, and my wife always says, sometimes you don't say more than four sentences a day, and now you sit there talk about stupid hounds for six hours. <laughs> That's the truth. I had that conversation with my
2: wife a couple of times with with, with just dogs in general. She's like, um, Could we I I love you and I love the dogs, but could
3: could talk we about please talk else? about
2: something else? Yeah. Have you have you seen any T V shows recently? <laughs>
3: it's like my wife and uh, I, it's either hounds or business. Like we, yeah. we just that's what we talk about, you know. Two in the morning sometimes. It's just it kind of takes over your life. These dogs, they create such a bond. You know, even internationally, it, it, I feel like we could all sit down around a fire and listen to a good race. I'm sure. And I'm sure it's no different than me going with one of my best friends. It's uh, it's automatically being on the same page. It
2: is is what it is. is, what it's, it is. Just, it's the leveller. Yeah, which is
3: so cool. Well. Johan, I really appreciate you coming on. Bear, thank you so much for reaching out to these guys and bringing—oh, of course—bringing some things to light. You know, this is, like I said, it's it's different, and it's nice to hear and uh, dig a little deeper into some perspectives that aren't aren't our own here. So yeah, we
0: sure. we we are connected by a long history and i think the 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 open mouth trailing hound type of dog is a celtic european thing that has been going on since since before christ was born and it's actually the way to hunt for us and it got transplanted to the us Mm -hmm. and and to other places um, the first descriptions of hound like dogs are by the Greek, uh, I think four or five hundred before Christ. And, and it would be a terrible shame to let that go. So right. I think the houndsmen, all across the world, where well, they are in existence we're sitting on the shoulders of our ancestors doing this and, and it's, it's, um, it, it's such a actually placid. sorry, mm-hmm. it can be a very exciting, but it's, it's, but it's so much about the action and not the, 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 the prey at the end, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just mm-hmm. about the dog working and getting it to, to work and how it, and this this incredible ability of the dog to send a track and discern it from another track and stay on it and work out the the um the difficulties that the game puts on to the dog the pursuer and this game it's a game it's a it's a deadly game, but it's still a game in sort of for both because often they get away and and I've seen game come and listen to the to the hound behind and there's another hare sitting and he says oh not my business it just stays there no the, the other one runs and it plays his tricks
1: and
0: and i'm i i i don't want to think about not doing this right so mm. and that and and in in a way we're connected because if nobody talks about it and explains it it will It will die. Yeah. Yeah. You, you,
2: if we don't talk about it, we, we let, and, and, and share knowledge and things like that. You know, I think we, we then, we give the dialogue over to the people who are against it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's so important to be able to talk, to talk about it. And also, you know, as Johan pointed out, you know, actually be able to look at it and be honest with ourselves and, and say that, you know, there may be some things that, you know, we need to, we need to look at differently or address differently or act a little bit differently to, to avoid, um, you know, breed differently, you know, to, to mm-hmm. just to avoid ending up in our own sort of in our own traps and, in, in, in a sense, you know, I think it's, if we're a part of the dialogue, then we have a voice. And the, the moment we pull out of the dialogue, uh, the voice is going to be the loudest voice is then going to be the people who don't like what we do.
3: Right. And I think we got to remember that for something that is so deeply rooted in human history, I mean, it doesn't get much more uh, rooted than using dogs in pursuit of game. It's a very fragile thing. In today's world. I mean, luckily, like you had touched on California earlier, uh, I don't know when this is going to air. So, I mean, this could be a couple of months after that whole, whole situation. Um, But it, it is time to rally the troops worldwide around what we do. I mean, the Australians are fighting their battles. I'm sure you guys fight yours. We have ours going here. But we can't let things be lost in a dialogue that is not not—it's not based in fact. It's not true. Right. And uh, unfortunately, in a world of emotions, we have to have our facts straight. And, and it's nice to see that we can fire back with facts and win. You know, like California Absolutely. is shutting that down. God, that was huge. And there were a lot of parties involved in that.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, that got that had the potential to get really gnarly.
3: Right. And it's, um, it was refreshing to see something that fast. Just, it was gone off. Yeah.
2: And I, I mean, I, I loved Clay's clay. Or, um, I I love.
1: We're going to get Johan in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Continue.
2: Oh, I, I loved the, uh, I love his, um, his approach to it, be civil, but let them know what you think.
0: Exactly.
2: And that was, that was so great. And, you know, I've, I've had people, people call me out on social media, um, because I, I don't have a lot of hunting related content on my, on my, on, on my social media presences. I'll take pictures or it's all hunting related, most of it, but, you know, I'll take pictures of the dogs while they're working. You can go through my entire, any of my social media profiles, you will not find a grip and grin on there. Right. And I respect the people that put that stuff out. But at the same time, I also respect the fact that when that when people need ammunition against us, that's the first that's place they're, they're gonna going to
1: go. Yeah. So
2: I'm not going to tell anybody what to do themselves, but... Again, it's a little bit of a, you know, when, when things go well, I, I want to share it with people, but at the same time, you know, then I'll take the time and send pictures to, you know, to you guys and, yeah, you know, share yeah. it that way rather than putting it out on social media where, you know, I'm not embarrassed about being a hunter. I, I don't try and hide it in any way, but at the same time, I want to focus on the part of the hunting that is. To me meaningful, and that is why you'll see pictures of my dogs working, not you know, not me hovering over uh, an animal that we killed, because ultimately that is not the part of the
0: hunting that is the most important part. Yeah, that's 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 actually what I sort of tried to say that that culture, you know, is what is above the bare necessity, um, and and Hound hunting is a lot of it is just art, sort of. You know, you have this biological sculpture, the hound, which is like a pointing dog. There's all that's it's the same. The way he works is um, it's difficult to achieve, and it's it's a it's a rare quality. And um, and we go hunting actually because of the race. I mean, you have to reward the dogs at some point, sometimes. But you, yeah. the good ones will hunt if you never reward them. You know, they spend their lives chasing hares that they never catch. Um, right. Uh, that's about something about breeding. Uh, if you want an autistic trail holder, he has to hunt for the hunt. I, I do like hounds that chase to catch. But, but he has to have a, a strong drive. That is not um it's not possible to to uh, eliminate by disappointment, you know? Yeah by not mm-hmm. getting absolutely. it. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And and I yeah. I'm quite sure that my hounds when it comes hounds when they come back from a hunt, they're happier than some uh pampered lap dog that just gets mm-hmm. all the food it wants. Absolutely. And so so am I. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much for coming on, Johan. It was really great to get to talk to you a little bit more and, and uh, hear your thoughts on all this stuff. This was really, really a lot it of fun great. for me to, to, get, to get you it on here. It was a here. pleasure. I, I really liked
0: it. I, I'm a, a humble little houndsman from Austria, and I cannot you know, compete really either with my hounds, I guess, because I don't have the... The wide open space that you need for hounds. I do my best, but it's just uh, th- th- achievable, you know? Yeah. But that, I, 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 that's how I order books by Advance by and, and look at, at movies by Brett Wong. And Brett Wong, I like that a lot because you see him on his mule and the dogs working, and it's all about the dog work. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, nice. that's the thing. Is you know
2: Brett's awesome. A lot of these guys are so awesome, but you don't need wide open spaces and mountain lions to be a houndsman.
0: No, no, I know. It's it, it I,
3: I'm quite happy where I'm I'm an Australian. I like being an Yeah, Give sometimes. yourself some credit. We'll have to stay in touch. I got some <laughs> other books I'll recommend to you too. Yeah. Yeah. So there we'll like, comes stateside, we'll send a bunch home with him. That would be cool. And, and we that's, can...
0: the, uh, that's the good thing about this social media. You can take a, a dead animal and make a big shitstorm out of it. <laughs> but also it gives us the possibility to, to chat, even though yeah, okay. we're a half, half a world apart. And, yeah. and then we find out that we're
3: pretty similar. We're not that far yeah. apart, right?
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Well thank you guys. We'll let you get about your day and I'm gonna go catch some sleep before work in the morning. <laughs> and I, I, I really that. appreciate both of you coming on. That was that was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Good night and happy night. Well take care guys. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Alright. Bye. Man, I love that sound.